everybody, and welcome to the Put Cancer Behind You podcast, a series dedicated to helping cancer patients and survivors lead healthy, happy, cancer-free lives. I'm your host, Maria Barnes. My guest for this episode is Gail Nemec, an author, actress, voiceover talent, media professional, and cancer survivor. Gail, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. And it's my pleasure to be here. You make me sound so impressive. I'm so glad I'm your guest today. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you. Well, I tell you what, before we get started talking about your wonderful career and life's challenges, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, Where'd you grow up? What was your family life like? That kind of thing. Okay. I grew up in the South in the middle of a very large family. I always refer to myself as the youngest of the oldest and the oldest of the youngest because that's what I was. That's exactly what- Right in the middle. Right in the middle, dead smack in the middle. And apparently I'm supposed to want attention. I haven't worked that out yet. Oh, well, the field. Oh, well. Anyway, moving right along. We had a very good family. We were raised- in church, we were raised with Baptists. I was by faith, seven years of age, got baptized. I've never looked back. It's always been great. And God has been a huge part of my life forever, ever since then and forever. Good times, bad times, up times, down times. Sometimes I deserted him, but he always said, uh, Gail, could you like come back here, please? But that was basically what my family was. Uh, my mother was fantastic. She was the marketing arm for my dad, which she did not realize. But mom and dad basically, best way to put it, ran the community. They volunteered a lot. They taught us about volunteering and the importance of giving back. They made a lot of things happen in our little community just because they had such great ideas. And plus dad was very successful, which was wonderful. Yeah, it was great. So all of that it gave you a great foundation. You went off to school, I guess, college. Tell me about what happened and, and how that led to your career. How college led to my career? Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, <laughs> pretty funny. I got a degree in education, elementary education. So that's what I was. I had had nothing to do with acting. I thought it was really stupid. Nothing to do with producing. I thought, oh, come on. Who could do that? Nothing to do with voiceover work. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I thought that whole field was a bunch of fake people and I wanted nothing to do with it at all, which my family makes fun of me about that to this day because I'm the only one in the family who is still acting, etc. And they were all used to act, every single one of them, including my mom, a real Renaissance woman. Leading to my career, I kind of fell into it. I was teaching... My mom got sick. I had to come home and take care of her. I was the only child available. I ended up volunteering, of course, for a play. Uh, That play led to production. I ended up producing the first animal show in the country, then the first real estate show in the country. And that led my career, and it's just kind of taken off since then, one thing to the next to the next. Wow. Well, you've had a quite a varied career. I mean, honestly, as an author, actress, voiceover talent, I mean, you name it, you've done it basically in media. It's been a wild ride and I'm sure it's been a lot of fun. But along with all of that comes a lot of stress. So talk to me about the stress in your career and in a very male dominated world at that time, much more so than today even. I think when I got into this career, cable was brand new. People were still laughing at cable and stress was not a word that was used. We were booked. We had a lot of work to do. Nobody even thought about the word stress or wellness or health or any of that stuff. That was like woo-woo, whatever, if you even heard it. 
So when in a male male dominated world, what I was doing was I was producing the TV shows as mentioned before, and I was also producing videos for people. And as it always happens in the production world, you always end up with clients who have the exact same deadlines that are due at the exact same time and you have to take care of it. So what I did at that particular time was trying to work out ways that I could relieve that, take care, advantage of the culture in Washington, D.C., theater, operas, festivals, hanging out with friends. And also I would go horseback riding. And I never thought of the horseback riding as a stress reliever, because like I said, nobody knew what stress was. I thought of it as fun. I wanted to learn how to do it. It was great. And so that was what I would do. I would, I have to laugh at this. I would pay people to yell at me because I took a lot of lessons and I gave them money and they would yell at me, put your heels down, stand up straight, jump over the, the you know, like this. But it was great. And I loved it. I loved it. So that's great that you were horseback riding. I, I'm sure you were doing many other things when you had time to control your stress. But horseback riding, I know, does play a part in your cancer story. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about that? You want the whole story? The whole story? Sure. It's interesting. So here we go. So typical production, I had clients who were, deadlines were within minutes apart, basically, because they had big conferences that my videos had to be seen at, very close. So somehow I had sprained my ankle in all of this production work and I couldn't go horseback riding. And I was really frustrated because I couldn't get my boot on. I was really frustrated. At the same time, I was doing, my stomach was fat and I couldn't figure out why I had a fat stomach. And I would do the horseback riding or the leg lifts and the the sit-ups and the walking and blah, 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 blah. But my stomach kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I must admit my rear was getting smaller and smaller and smaller because my pants were baggy. That's the secret. But I had this huge thing on my stomach. It was very frustrating. So anyway, I was very excited one day because my ankle, sprained ankle had gone down. And the swelling was gone and I could go horseback riding that night. I was so excited, so excited, exhausted from the production work, but so excited. So the radio was on and Vivaldi's Four Seasons was on the radio. dum 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 So I went dancing down my hallway and <laughs> landed on my other ankle, sprained my other ankle, instantly went to swelling could not get my boot on, could not go horseback riding. I was so, so crazed. I was so crazed about that. So what ended up happening was that, and I'm just looking and I'm thinking right now, I had at the same time that I got the production in, I had to go to a wedding in Florida. And this was for a family member. So I went to visit my sister and I said to her, um, who taught about seven classes of aerobics a day at that point, she's really good at that stuff. I said, I've got this huge stomach. It won't go away. What should I do? She said, well, you're staying with mom and dad, right? Okay. When you go up there, get on mom's exercise bike and start riding the bike. And that should help it get flat. Fine. So I went home. I found the bike. It was completely rusted out, but I'm determined to get my stomach flat again. 
So I attempted to write it and I think I made it, oh, maybe three minutes, but it was so tough. I couldn't see straight. So that was that. So I went upstairs and I went to bed. Then at about five o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, I was awakened with excruciating abdominal pain that I had never had before. And I turned left and right, sat up, stomach, all those things that we do to try to make it go away. And it would not go away. So I called the family doctor and I don't know what gave me the presence to do that, but I did. And he said, I want you to get into the hospital right now. And so I went, I woke up my dad. My dad was instantly awake. He took me to the emergency room. And as God works everything out, because I've seen this over and over again in my life, my doctor was not there, but a fantastic gynecologist was there who had just done emergency surgery on someone else. So he examined me and he said to me, hmm, you have a lump. And I'm thinking, great, like the size of a grape. You know, I got a little seed thing here. And he says, yeah, you, you've got a lump. I said, okay. And he says, it's between a lemon and a grapefruit. And I went, holy cow. He said, and it has to come out. It's got to come out now. We're checking you into the hospital. And I said, no, I'm here for a wedding. Not that the wedding's about me, but I will be missed. And so therefore, can I please go to the wedding? And he said, you may go to the wedding, but you have to check into the hospital tomorrow morning. First thing, because I'm scheduling surgery and it will be Monday. And I went, wow, okay, that was fast. So we scheduled the surgery. And when I went home, I had said to my dad, gee whiz, thank heavens it's between a lemon and a grapefruit. Just think if it was a honeydew melon. Well, guess what, gang? After the surgery, we found out that it actually was ovarian cancer. And the this was why I was so heavy and why the stomach wouldn't go away. I was really blessed because they were able to take the cancer out out of one ovary. So that absolutely removed it. And how large was it? It was the size of a honeydew melon. It was huge. It was huge. And they sent me the slide of it later on. But they, the, your listeners can't see this, but I'm holding my hands. And it's if you would take your hands and put them about shoulder width apart and make like a little circle, that's, that's about how big it was. It was enormous. So I told the doctor, I said, you know, I ride horses. And I haven't been able to ride for a while because of my sprained ankles. What would have happened if I would have gotten on a horse with this thing? He said, oh, it would have blown up and you would have died. There wouldn't have been time to get you to the hospital. There would not have been time for the ambulance to get to wherever you were. A hospital right. would not have been close enough. That would have been it. That right. would have been it. So lots of blessings in that little story. You know, lots of little blessings. Yes, indeed. Somebody was looking out for you. Yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. I mean, honestly. So that is so wild. So the good news is that it's never come back. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that because I'm pretty sure that everyone who's had cancer, besides asking why me, mm -hmm. the next question is after it's you've gone through all the treatment is, well, is it going to come back? Right. And we have to manage that fear. It is fear. It creeps into our up from our subconscious mind and sometimes appears in the conscious mind. But every so often we have this little twinge of fear and it's like, okay, what if that, what if that comes back? So yours hasn't come back. It's been a while. How is, how have you managed that? How, what do you do in your daily life that keeps you, ab I'll just say it, above the frequency of disease, cancer? 
I, that's a really good question. It's a, a challenge to try to answer it, but let me just go back a little bit. For those of us who have had cancer, so here's the drill. You have to go in three months. Then you've got to go in six months after, then nine months, then a year, then three years, then five years, then 15 years, then 21 years. And the medical profession says, once you pass 21 years, everything will be fantastic. And you're, I have to wait 21 years for this. Right. So managing that fear, which I have learned many years ago, and I love this definition of fear, false expectations appearing real. Managing that fear many times has just been trying to forget about it because that first year you were a wreck or I was, maybe you weren't, but you're just a wreck. You're just like, is it going to be here again? What's going to happen? Oh, and of course I had written my appetite, planned planned my funeral, you know, all that other good (laughs) stuff because you're going to be dead in two seconds, but you're not because it's not my time yet. It's just not my time. Right. So, but managing that fear is literally just going along with it, just not living in it, working on doing other things, appreciating other things around you. And focusing on when your work comes, when you're, you know, because I'm, I'm, you don't know, but I'm a volunteer in the community, I've done a lot of volunteering. I do a lot of volunteering at church, et cetera. But doing those different things that keep your life going as opposed to going, oh, poor me, I'm going to be dead in five minutes. But working yeah. to focus on those other things that life has to bring us, it's just really different. And I, I've, everybody's had a lot of cancer, not everybody, but cancer far worse than I far worse. And so I feel very unfortunate and blessed, but that does not negate the fact, the fear thing that we have. That's true. Negate it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that ovarian cancer is one of the lesser cancers. It's actually quite, um, <laughs> at this point in time, deadly, but you have survived it and you survived it with flying colors. Now I know that you, I'll just say this, you're one of the most creative people I've ever met. Oh, and you. I know that your creativity, yeah, has really helped you because when I sat down with uh, for a session with my guides and teachers, they said to me point blank, look, if you're not going to get out there and get creative, you're not going to make it. Mm. So I, I understood that creativity is the essence of why we're all here. I mean, mm. we came to create. We came to to be our unique selves in unique ways and have a blast doing it. That's the bottom line. How that actually unfolds is is up to us, but that was the blueprint. So when you get your life as close to the blueprint as possible, which I believe you have done because you're always doing something creative, I think you really stand a great chance of healing yourself if you are sick and staying well. And I know that in addition to all of your media, you actually, you know, in terms of acting and voiceover and producing and all that. You also are an author and you've Mm -hmm. written a lot of books. So Mm -hmm. they're for children, some of them. Some of them are Christian. You've written other books. Tell me about the creativity you're doing, especially with children and why that's so important to your health. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. The, The books just come to me. It's amazing. I can get an idea and think about it. And all of a sudden the book comes and I write it so fast that I'm frantic for a piece of paper. And I will tell you that one of my books, <laughs> The Great Elephant Rescue, came to me because my date that I had was over an hour and a half late. And the story came to me and I wrote it on a napkin. So, but that's another one. But an, another one, it's, it's a great book. It's about counting and numbers and elephants, but the uh, based on a true story, but moving right along. Another one of my books, Andy's Adventurous Nightmare, which came to me because my nephew was very young, two years old, two, three, he was having night terrors. 
waking up in the middle of the night, screaming, crying. You'd hold him and he would just scream and cry. He didn't recognize anybody when he was sleeping. It was awful. So I asked him to explain his nightmares to me. So he talked a little bit about those nightmares and I thought, hmm, interesting. I wonder if I can write a book about that. So I did what I usually do. I had the idea. I let it mush around in my brain for a while. And then all of a sudden the book came to me. And the thing that came to me was, it's so wonderful because in the book, it talks about, it's a rhyming book and Andy, he didn't want to close his eyes and go to sleep because he was afraid he'd have a terrible surprise, a nightmare. So anyway, Andy goes to sleep and he has this terrible nightmare. First, it starts out beautiful and everything is wonderful and he's flying in the sky. And then the nightmare gets scary and scary. And all of a sudden he starts to decline. He's very up tall and he starts to decline. He says, oh no, it's going to be a nightmare. And he screams and a snake appears and it goes into Andy's ear. It's just a terrible nightmare. And Andy doesn't know what to do happened. And then a giraffe comes and the giraffe laughs with a terrible whack. And it keeps going on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, Andy realizes after a train goes speeding through his belly, all of a sudden he realizes that he's having a nightmare. And he says, when will this nightmare end? It's so scary, silly. It makes me want to grin. And then he thinks, wait a minute, it's a nightmare and none of it is true. My imagination makes this dream seem real. It's not real. It's not the real deal. It's a dream. And then from then on, he talks himself out of the nightmare. And he tells himself how he can stop it by yelling stop. Well, the thing that's so fascinating about this particular book is that after I finished it and one thing he says, he says, wait, this nightmare is too funny. I'm grinning in my sleep. I will eat some honey. Eat honey, he thought. That sounds good. I wonder where I can get some in this nightmare neighborhood. And the book goes on and it's wonderful. So anyway, I was talking to my nephew about it. And he one day he says to me, he says, Hey, Gail, I had a really, really bad dream. And I did what the book said. And I talked myself out of it. And it was funny. And it was great. And then me personally, same thing happened to me a couple of months later, where I was having a nightmare. And I did the exact same thing and I talked myself out of it. And going along with the creativity in the books and what what comes to me is that most of my books or several of my books are also drawing books. Andy's Adventurous Nightmare is one of the drawing books where children can draw pictures of what they imagine going on. I've had some parents say to me, yeah, my kid drew a picture, but it wasn't good. Excuse me? The kid drew a picture. I don't care what it looks like. It was good. The child thought they were being creative and they were being encouraged and allowed to be creative. So whatever that looks like, it's fine. It's fine. It's great. It's wonderful to encourage creativity. My nieces and nephews have drawn pictures and then years later looked at them and said, hey, Gail, why did I draw that like that? I can draw so much better. And I say, well, go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. But the creativity aspect and stories coming to me, which is just so much fun and being able to write them and get them out. And as I mentioned, they're most of them, they're, they're either, they're educational, they introduce rhyming, there could be about problem solving, about numbers, all kinds of fun things. Uh, what I'm working on right now is sometimes Santa says no, <laughs> and it's a good book. It's a really good, good, good book. But the creativity is just integral to me. I, I love to write. I love to draw. I'm a slow illustrator but I can do it. 
and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, writing and drawing, singing, dancing, that kind of thing. I just, I, I love doing it all. I just really, really enjoy doing it all. And then helping other people with it. Yes, when you do it and when you help others do it, that is purposeful. That's with intention of having joy and being joyful. And that's where wellness comes in. And so it's no surprise to me that in all these years, you've never had a recurrence of cancer. And you've gone on to help other people learn how to empower themselves through being joyful, through being creative and happy and and doing what they ultimately came here to do, which is being our best selves. So I think it's really um, a wonderful thing that you've done in terms of that in your life. It's been wonderful for you to be able to be that creative. But I also wonder, and this also comes up, creeps in when it comes to cancer or any diseases, your faith and your spirituality, they go hand in hand. Creativity and faith go hand in hand. So how have you used not just your creativity, but how has your faith helped you to also be more creative, be happier, be joyful, and stay well? I never set out to be creative. I never thought I was creative, okay? I go to church. I have a really, really deep faith in Jesus and Christ and God, a really deep faith because I see it everywhere. I see it everywhere. So my faith is an integral, integral part of my life. It's just, it's huge. And when I get these stories, <laughs> if anybody ever finds the rough drafts, there's somewhere in the rough draft where it says, thank you, God, for this story. Because I keep thinking, I'm not writing this story. It's just, it's coming to me. I'm not writing it, but that's part of my faith. You know, that's part of, of believing. And when my brother passed away, I was sitting in the backyard and I was falling apart because it was such a shock. It was so, so, such a shock. And I was sobbing and I closed my eyes and all of a sudden, I'm getting a little teary here. So thank heavens you guys can't see it. But all of a sudden I got this thought that said, Gail, why don't you just hug Jesus? Why don't you just hug Jesus? And I closed my eyes again. Again, I was sobbing and everything stopped. Everything was peaceful. Everything was wonderful. And I felt like I was literally hugging Jesus. And I wrote a book because then a book came to me and it's called Hugging Jesus. And that's where that came from. So it's just like I said, the, the faith is a huge part of me. And I think for the creativity thing, um, aspect of our lives, we need to go with it. So many of us get a creative idea, a thought, or what have you, and we go, oh, that's no good. Nobody will like it. That's ridiculous. That's silly. But the deal is, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't open that door. You don't know what's on the other side. And that's part of the faith thing, too. And it's always fun to just sometimes for anybody to take a pen or a piece of paper or a walk and have no intention of where you're going. Like it, like sometimes I'll take a pen and I'll just say, okay, what am I going to write? And something comes out. And sometimes I'll say to myself, this is the silliest thing I've ever written. And I'll write, this is the silliest thing I've ever written. And then I just let it go. And I let everything come out, whatever's going to come out. And it's fabulous. And I encourage anybody to do that. And Maria, you're talking about staying well with creativity. And maybe that's part of it. I don't know what God's magic is. I don't know what his blessings are. I just know I'm surrounded by them. And yes, have I had lots of bad days since whatever, whatever. Of course, I'm a human being. Hello. 
you know, I mean, yeah, I have bad days. I have sad days. I have happy days. I have sick days. I have rah, 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 rah. We all, I'm a human being. I'm a human being. But in all of that stuff, all of those things happen. I always know that God is there someplace, someplace. And, you know, carrying me or getting me through, even in the times when I say, oh, forget it, God, you don't really love me anymore. Blah, blah, blah. God's like, <clears throat> hello, I am still here for you. <laughs> Just close your eyes. I'm here for you. I don't think he talks like that, but whatever, you know, maybe it's a deep, I don't know, whatever. But I think it's so important to spend time with our eyes closed and and think of nothing. It's meditating. It is meditating. And it is. And the first time I meditated, I thought it was weird. I thought, you know, you had to smoke grass to meditate. And then I discovered you don't, because that's when I was in the 60s, that's what everybody did. And I went, I, I don't smoke grass. I don't want to do that. So I just was drinking coffee. I closed my eyes. I started praying. And all of a sudden, my eyes opened 30 minutes later. Yeah. And I realized I'd been meditating. Right. And now I can meditate anywhere, concert, listening to beautiful music, anywhere. And it's wonderful because it just, I can't, I can't even describe it. I've never been able to describe the wonders and the greatness that it does, the closest that you feel. Because for me, everything just goes black. Everything basically goes black. And I come out of the meditation when I come out. I never set a clock. Sometimes it's two minutes. It always feels like maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. And I think, wait, that just felt like two seconds. How can this be? But I encourage anyone, if you're afraid of it, just close your eyes. That's all you have to do. Just close your eyes. And and when those thoughts come in that disturb you, just pray for whatever that thought is. For me, it could be a sibling, a situation, whatever it is. It's like, oh God, be with that sister, be with that da-da-da, be with that situation going on in the world, be with blah, 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 blah. And then the thought goes out. It goes out, but it's so wonderful. And it's a huge, wonderful part of my faith. And yeah, I still go to church. I love to sing songs. <laughs> Watch out. I might break out in singing. <laughs> oh, some of the songs I write, I might break out. I mean, who knows? But yeah, yeah, creativity and faith hand in hand. And especially, especially when you just... Let it come and you do not censor yourself. So important. Absolutely. Don't censor yourself. Well, let's talk about gratitude because when you are in the flow, how grateful are you? I mean, I think that's the essence of being in the flow is gratitude. And so what's been the silver lining for you from all of this long journey with cancer and just life in general? Exceedingly grateful that I'm still here. And I mentioned this briefly before, but if I look in the mirror and I say, oh, I've got wrinkles, my instant next thought is, but Gail, you lived long enough to get wrinkles. Or if I say, oh, you know, do that, that self-criticism that we do, I go to myself, God, thank you that I have lived long enough to see this occur. I've lived long enough to get great hair. Gray hair. Not, oh, it is great hair too, isn't it? Gray and great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but thank you very much, Maria. But it's gratitude for everything, for every, I mean, the trees, the birds taking time. And I know that sounds so like woo woo, what have you, but I have a little bird bath in my front yard. And during lockdown, there was a nest in my front yard and it was so much fun to watch that mama and then watch the hatch and the birds take flight and then the um, bird bath and watch the birds take baths. And sometimes they get in fight with each other 
and one bird would flew the other one out. But it's just gratitude for everything around us. You know, the gas station, the getting somewhere, the green light, the red light. Everywhere is gratitude. Everywhere. And all we need to do for me is just open my eyes. It's like something doesn't happen the way I plan. I always know something different's going to happen. It's going to be better. And it's okay. And I literally I give that worry to God. And when I think to myself, oh dear, worry, worry, worry about this. And it says in the Bible, you can't even change a hair on your head when you worry. So what's the point? But but I'll just say, okay, Gail, just don't worry about it. Look at your past, Gail. Everything has worked out. Everything has worked out. Not the way you planned, but it worked out. So what is the point? Stop worrying and just be grateful. Absolutely. And I am so grateful that you joined me today. So in closing, if people want to connect with you and learn more about you, if they'd like to buy your books, how do you want them to contact you? What's the best way? A couple of things. My books are on Amazon. They're all on Amazon. They're also Barnes and Noble, but basically Amazon. My name is spelled, I was named after a hurricane, Gail. So my name is spelled G-A-L-E-N-E-M-E-C, and then add the word books, B-O-O-K-S at gmail.com. That's my email address, books at gmail. And then my website is books. And I must admit, I'm behind on keeping that up to date with latest books. And also, yeah, Amazon website is the same thing, Books, Facebook, same thing, Books. Someone gave me advice, a very famous author gave me advice years ago because I was going to name my company something else. And she said, Gail, people know your name, use your name. Correct. So that's why it's Gail Nemec. Yeah, Gail Nemec Books. And again, it's named after Hurricane. <laughs> All yeah. right. T-A-L-E. That's, that's something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Gail. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate hearing your story and just learning how you've used everything, all the tools in your toolbox to to get well and stay well in the most creative and fun way imaginable. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I appreciate you allowing me to look at my past and to see how great it's been and how much faith and prayer has been involved in every bit of this. So Maria, So glad to see you. Thank you very much for this. I mean, life goes on, right? Yes, it does. Life goes on. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Put Cancer Behind You with Maria Barnes. So you won't miss a single episode. We hope you'll follow our program on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us at mariabarnes.net, on Facebook at Put Cancer Behind You, on Twitter at PCBY01 or on Instagram at Maria Barnes PCBY. Also, you can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know is in need of cancer coaching, Maria is here to help. We'll see you next time. Copyright 2022, Maria Barnes, LLC, all rights reserved.